Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about trauma and how it works. But before I get into that, um, I just want to quickly remind you that if you're interested in the books, apparel, or supporting this podcast through Patreon, you can find all that stuff at theinfinitesparkofbeam.com or through the Instagram feed for The Infinite Spark of Beam. So this is, as usual, probably more so than usual, um, only my understanding of this, and really it's how I see it based on my life working in the field of mental health and addiction. Uh, So, that being said, let's get started. So before we go too deep, I just want to remind you that the mind is the subtle body. The subtle body is the karma of the soul. Working with the mind is working with the soul's curriculum. This is spiritual work. This is it. Working with the mind and the body as a human with all of its stuff is the path. So many of you are looking for a path when you're already on it. Um, it, it might not be as glamorous as you thought it'd be. There might not be unicorns walking through the wall and speaking to you in Aramaic or Sanskrit, but here we are. This is it. This is a spiritual vehicle. Um, this, the body, the mind, this is the soul's karma. This is the soul's work. And I want to say that before we get into this. So The definition of the word trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. That's the definition, but here's the thing. We don't get to decide if the event is traumatic or not. I mean, some people uh, can look back and go, yeah, that was traumatic, while others look back and can't figure out for the life of them why they continue to feel or to be so affected by a particular event. And It's even more disturbing when others were there as well, but don't seem to be affected at all by it. So please, please, please don't compare your trauma to others. Many people never share their trauma or their pain because they don't think it's bad enough and they don't see it as traumatizing, but they aren't the ones to decide. The nervous system is. If you really want to understand trauma, pick up the book called The Body Keeps the Score. I'm reading it for a second time. Um, We prescribe this book to clients all the time at work. And when they read it, they go, oh, this makes sense now. It's like they read it and now their body and their mind, everything kind of falls into place and it makes sense. Um, And just I work in a dual diagnosis facility that specializes in mental health and addiction um, here in South Florida. So either way. What's happening is the event, the traumatic event, is stuck. Um, It was too big for the mind to process, so to speak. Um, uh, Think of it like an email attachment um, where if you're streaming, say you're watching a movie and you're doing a bunch of stuff on your computer and I email you a small JPEG and you just open it. It's not a problem, right? But if you're doing a bunch of stuff on your computer, streaming a bunch of things, and I send you a large JPEG, something like a raw camera file, it gets stuck, right? 
your computer just kind of grinds there and can't process what it is. It can't process what it's being asked to process. The mind is the same way and it gets stuck. These things get stuck and they start playing on this loop. So, um, you know, some folks would uh, say that trauma is kind of a memory problem, meaning that, um, that it's a memory that's stuck in the right side of the brain playing on a loop. Remember, unprocessed and just on a loop. So basically the subconscious mind and the body have the event playing on a loop in the right side of the brain. And since the mind mistakes the memory for an event that's happening in time at that moment, the mind and body are stuck in fight, flight, or freeze, or shut down mode, whatever you want to call it. So you can see why you might feel tense, anxious, depressed, lose sleep, etc. Um, this stuff stays with people and it ruins their life, but it doesn't have to, right? You can work with it. Um, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but the left side of the brain is like all your logic and reasoning. And then the right side is, I guess, your feelings and emotions and things like that. So the best explanation for this that I've ever heard is this. Okay. So there's a zebra and a lion and they're both on the plains and the zebra looks over and it sees the lion and the mind of the zebra goes, oh no, lion. It registers the lion as a threat. The mind of the zebra then sends a signal into the zebra's body, into its legs so that the zebra can run to get away. So the zebra doesn't have to run faster than a lion, but it does have to run faster than the slowest zebra, right? So the zebra experiences the emotion of fear and it runs. Now, remember, emotions are so that the body will do something. Okay, remember that. Emotions get the body to do something. So the zebra gets away and the zebra gets to the watering hole and we go, holy shit, Mrs. Zebra, that lion was crazy. I can't believe that lion was chasing you. And Mrs. Zebra looks around and she goes, what are you talking about? There's no lion chasing me. We say, no, 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 there was one chasing you. And Mrs. Zebra goes, was? The fuck does that mean? To the mind of the zebra, if it's not happening in time at that moment, it doesn't exist. The zebra can't afford to just have energy in its legs for no reason. Now, if I get chased by a lion and for whatever reason, somehow I get away and you go, oh my God, Keith, that line was crazy. Are you okay? Now my hands are shaking, my heart's racing. And I say, yeah, I'm okay. That was nuts. I can't believe that happened. And you say, oh, you'll forget about it. You'll be okay. Time heals all wounds or what the fuck ever you say to me. And I just agree because we're part of the same culture and I just assume I'll forget about it over time. Right? I mean, God knows other bad things have happened to me and I'm fine now. So you can tell by the tone of my voice that I don't believe that. Um, anyway, you see me a week later and I look like shit. And you go, hey man, you all right? I'm like, no, I actually stopped sleeping. <laughs> I had to quit. And you're like, that's a strange thing to quit. Why'd you quit sleeping? Well, every time I lay down to sleep, I feel like I'm gonna crawl out of my fucking skin. I get anxious, my mind races, it's awful. You know, and you, you know, you do all the the really good things like recommend fucking yoga and melatonin to me or whatever. And I ate all the melatonin, I'm standing on my head, still wide awake, can't sleep, still feels like shit to lay down. 
In fact, now I'm just groggy from all the melatonin and I feel antsy and I'm gonna crawl out of my skin. So you see me um, a couple weeks later and uh, I look real rough. I haven't been sleeping, I've gained weight, I'm a mess. And you go, how you doing? I go, like, man, I'm not good at all. Um, I'm still not sleeping, I've quit running. And the other day I went to see the Lion King play and I had a fucking panic attack. I was really irritated with these two guys. I just got so pissed I had to leave. Like, no shit. So we went over the sleep and you asked me, what's up with the running? Well, when I run, I feel really anxious. My heart races. And you say, well, isn't your heart supposed to race? You're running. Yeah, but not like this. It was fucked up. And then you ask me, well, what happened at Lion King? Well, I was sitting there watching this play. The guy behind me is on a cell phone. This dude over here is eating popcorn. And it started to drive me crazy, man. And the ceiling started to get really low and my vision got really sparkly. I got tunnel vision. I had to just get the fuck out of there and leave. These people were driving me crazy. Now, if you're making a salad, okay, and you're washing your vegetables and all the water's going down the drain. But then you decide to put an avocado in the salad and you pit that avocado and you put the pit in the drain. Now the water that was going down slows down, right? It's not clogged, but it's slow. And um, then you decide to cut peppers and shave cucumbers and you're chopping up these peppers. Now the seeds from the peppers are getting stuck around the avocado pit. And the cucumber shavings are also getting stuck around the avocado pit. And now the water is backing up because the sink's clogged. And you look at those peppers and those cucumber shavings and you go, well, I guess I can't have peppers and cucumbers that clog the drain. Now you see what the problem is. The guy on the cell phone, the person eating popcorn, that's pepper seeds and cucumbers. My conscious mind knows that men and leotards with lion headdresses are not a threat. They know those aren't lions, my subconscious doesn't. So my conscious mind with its imagination and fantasy looks at the guy eating popcorn and the guy on the cell phone and goes, well, it must be one of these motherfuckers. Maybe these people have wound me up so much that I can't sit here. I just hate people. I hate crowds. Better yet, I get social anxiety so I don't go out. And you see what happens there, right? That's what's going on. So. The story, uh, the information, the data, or memory of me being chased by a lion is stuck. It's, uh, it's an unprocessed experience that's rotting in my system. Now, I want to explain something as well here. This is, okay, so avoidance becomes maladaptive. Do you understand that? Maladaptive means that um, it was once helpful but now it's hurting you, right? Um, so think of it this way. You have an amygdala in your limbic system in the brain, and um, it's your fear processing, fear learning center. And um, I always make the joke that it always thinks you're going to die because there's no windows up there. So it just assumes everything's a threat. So it starts off the release of adrenaline and cortisol to keep you safe. Now, you want to talk to me about me being chased by a lion, but every time you bring it up, I feel really anxious. 
I feel really weird in my body. I feel uncomfortable and I shut it down. Like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that. So I avoid it. Now, when you brought it up, my amygdala goes, oh my God, we're being chased by a lion. Why? Because the mind is picking up on lion stories. And remember, the mind thinks everything's real. And what the mind believes, the body feels, right? So if the mind believes we're being chased by this lion, then it lets the amygdala know and the amygdala sends some cortisol and adrenaline into the body to get us the fuck out of there, right? Well, (laughs) what do I do? I back off of it. I go, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. And I start to feel better because now I don't have to talk about it. And so the amygdala turns down the adrenaline, turns down the cortisol. It's like, all right, we're finally safe. But then you bring it up again, maybe a couple months later, you bring it up. Now my amygdala says to itself, well, what the fuck? Why isn't Keith getting the picture? These lines are dangerous. So the amygdala makes sure I get more cortisol and more adrenaline because apparently I'm not getting the picture and I keep getting chased by lions. And the amygdala ramps it up more and more every time. That's how avoidance, avoiding the story, avoiding the memory becomes maladaptive. Avoiding lions was very helpful at one point. Not so much now because the lions are in my mind. They don't exist. Doesn't mean they didn't, but it means right now in time, that event doesn't have existence. I'm not being chased by it. And this isn't to devalue or dismiss it, but understand that that's, it's a story now. It's, It's data on a hard drive. So how do we fix this? Um, Well, first we need to know a few things. Uh, One would be that the mind and body are concerned with surviving and thriving. Remember, the mind and body have a separate agenda than you do, right? The problem is that they think they're going to die all the time. Um, I believe I talked about this in the first episode on the mind, that, um, you know, that if you were the mind, that's not what I was saying, that we've all experienced thoughts and memories that we didn't necessarily want to think about or remember, right? And we've had feelings in the body we didn't necessarily want to feel. Well, if you are the mind and you are the body, just change it. But you're not. And they have a separate agenda than you, which is to make more bodies. So the mind and body think that the event is still happening and do not want it to be happening. They don't want it. So we have that going for us at least. At least they don't want it happening either, right? Um, but these things do get stuck in the subconscious. Uh, remember what the subconscious mind perceives, the body feels. So the second thing we need to know is that light conquers darkness every time. Now, commonly we believe that happiness and bliss are light, but that's not exactly true. Happiness and bliss are temporary and they need to be maintained if you want to try to make them permanent. So we prop them up with more temporary shit, right? So we're constantly working to maintain this happiness and this bliss instead of allowing things to come and go. Um, And you can see where the problem with that is. So I'm going to tell you that the ultimate light is equanimity. And just to refresh your memory, equanimity means mental calmness, composure, or even temper. I'm sorry, evenness of temper, especially in difficult situations. So Equanimity is what all of the old texts are trying to teach us. Everything from the Bhagavad Gita to the Dhammapada has been trying to teach us even keeledness. Now understand that equanimity doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion. 
It doesn't mean that we don't have a preference and it doesn't mean that we're happy with things, but it does mean that we aren't rattled or moved by it. You know, maybe we have an opinion, but we aren't having physical responses to the situation. Does that mean, I, I hope that makes sense. And something else I want to bring up, um, when it comes to grief and loss, because remember earlier I said that uh, emotions are there to get the body to do something, to save itself, to whatever. So when it comes to grief and loss, it's very confusing. Like, what could that possibly be? Um, well, I believe that it's the mind trying to connect with something that it's perceiving as gone or changed in a way that it can't reconnect with. Um, but it's really important to remember when it comes to grief and loss that pain doesn't equal love. For instance, my mom died a little over a year ago. Someone said, Keith, how's your mom doing? I'd be like, well, my mom died actually. Oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay. Does that mean I'm glad it happened? Does that mean that you know I enjoyed those four weeks with my dying mother and that last night of her begging me to kill her? No. Fuck no. Um, my dog, Henry, I had to put him to sleep um, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> this has been a weird year. Um, <laughs> uh, mom died. A five-year relationship dissolved. Moved out of a house I loved. And my dog died. And no, I'm not writing a country song. <laughs> but Henry died. And um, if someone said, how's Henry? I'd be like, well, I had to put Henry to sleep a couple weeks ago. He had cancer. And, and they go, oh, my God, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. Doesn't mean it was fun. Doesn't mean I don't miss the fuck out of my dog. Because I do. I probably miss my dog more than I miss my parents. But I'm okay. The fact that we aren't hurting doesn't mean that we didn't love the person. The fact that I'm not in pain doesn't mean I didn't love my mother. The fact that I'm not in pain doesn't mean I didn't love my father or my grandparents or my dog or friends or whatever. So what I want you to know is that we can get there when it comes to trauma. We can get to that place of peace. It's absolutely possible to move trauma into storage, so to speak, meaning that when it comes up, we can take it out of storage. We can talk about it and then put it away without getting fucked up for it or feeling fucked up about it for days after we've talked about it or whatever. And it happens through uh, various methods. Um, and I'm going to kind of skim around some things. I'm, I'm, I wanted to go into depth about um, a method that I've become very fond of and very proficient at and had a lot of success with at work. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that. That might have to be a whole other episode. But um, there are ways of putting things into storage. Um, there is a method that I use that I'm able to sit with a person that has dealt with the trauma for 27 years sometimes. And in an hour, we can move it into a place where it no longer affects the body. And that sounds hard to believe because we're so attached to our pain and suffering, not on purpose, of course, we're not like willingly trying to you know, hurt, but it becomes part of who we are. Um, and we do that through, uh, like for instance, when I said that light conquers darkness, right? So I can uh, have you bring up a trauma till you feel it in your body, 
And then I can start doing things that you don't care about and asking you about them. And you keep saying, no, I don't care. I don't care. And then I keep having you bring up the trauma and then you don't care. You don't care. And the next thing you know, you don't care about the trauma. Not you don't care, but you don't feel anything. Your body doesn't feel. And then we do some breathing, uh, some breath work and a few other things to button it up. And then you're okay. It takes an hour. I mean, shit, I did it through Zoom one time for a guy, a veteran, and it's like 20 minutes. Um, but it works. And the point is, is there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of different things that can help you. You don't have to suffer with this shit. But you need to ask yourself, is it okay if you feel okay? Are you okay with that? Um, I've had people that are very much attached to their pain. They love it. It gives them an identity. Uh, in some ways, it gives them purpose. But they live in this weird bubble, you know? It's, it's a weird way to live. Um, what I just mentioned about something you don't care about than something you care about, I want to actually circle around, not circle around, but I want to bring up meditation. Um, so we're constantly, it's called dual attention stimulus, right? That the mind can really only do or feel one way at a time, right? So, um, for instance, the mind tends to give us sensations in the body. We tend to become very reactive to the mind. One of the reasons meditation uh, changes that is because instead of it being a specific traumatic event, it's the mind itself. And every time you notice the mind, you notice the feelings, you notice the thought, you notice the judgment, you come back to the breath. The breath, you don't care about it. You have equanimity around the breath. So if you, that's why this keep coming back to the breath thing is so important. As you do that, that kind of takes over and you become less reactive. That's one of the ways it works. Um, I hope this was helpful and not too cryptic. I might cut out that last part. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if you have questions about any of this stuff, give me a shout. Uh, some of you have found out that if you send me your phone number and ask me to call you, I will. And we'll talk. <laughs> so when I tell you that we're old friends, I mean it. Um, don't be weird about it. We've known each other for millions and millions of years. Don't be afraid. Um, we're old friends. I mean that. Um, again, if you want books, apparel, you want to support the podcast through Patreon, go to uh, the Patreon uh, link on at uh, theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. Uh, you can get to that through, you know, through Instagram and whatever. Um, if I wasn't clear, it's me and it's not you. It's always me. It's never you. Every time I say that, I think about the Seinfeld episode where George goes, are you giving me the, it's me, it's not you routine? I invented it's not me, it's you. Or it's not you, it's me. Um, anyway, uh, trauma is something that you don't have to live with. I promise. You do not have to live with it. You do not have to live triggered. You don't have to live with this stuff. There are people like me that are desperate to help you. <laughs> Please. Let them help you get a therapist. Find a therapist that specializes in trauma um, and, you know, do the work. It's hard, but it's worth it. You can get through it. Um, you know, something else. I um, remember one time 
Um, ugh. So from the time I was in, hmm. <laughs> from the time I was in kindergarten to the time I was in seventh grade, I was um, abused uh, for individuals in a church school situation. Uh, some of you that know me are putting this together right now. <laughs> um, but with my ex, uh, we're on a walk one time. And I was talking about something that had happened at this Advaita Vedanta group that I was a part of. And something that it kind of pushed what I used to call my sensitive bully button. Thought that someone was being kind of a bully. And I was kind of griping about it. And then I kind of went into childhood stuff. And my ex looks at me, she goes, you need to process that. And I was like, oh no, I've accepted it. I, I've, you know, I've dealt with it. And she's like, you're not, she's like, there's no need to accept it. You got to process it. It's like um, with clients sometimes when they say I've accepted, I go, oh, I'm sorry. Are we in doubt whether or not this fucking happened? You know, so it's not about acceptance. It's, it's about like, it's about processing it. Right. And it's a different thing. It's a different coming to terms with it. That's one thing. Processing it is something else. Processing is processing it and putting it in storage. Uh, and so I did. And after that, it never bothered me again. Um, I'm fine. I can see somebody get bullied and not even give a shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, I, I feel much better. Um, I'm a little hesitant to bring it up here, but whatever. Here we are. Again, books, apparel, support the podcast through Patreon. It's all at theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. Find it through Instagram. Um, always holler at me, reach out, and uh, don't make it weird. We're old friends. Bye. <laughs>